Good morning, Irvine. Yes, I know my voice is a little deeper today. This is Sports Matters. We have a spectacular show for you today. I am your host, Kevin Drake. And of course, good morning to my partner, Matt Burt. How's it going? I'm doing great. How about you? I have a question. Is your voice deeper because it's raining out? Sprinkling, I should say. Could be. Could be. It gets a little deeper with the rain. Well, mine kind of stays the same. (laughs) <laughs> my fluctuates with the weather, but mainly I didn't have a voice on Saturday, so I'm slowly getting a bat, so I'm just not trying to put too much wind into the whistle, so to speak. Uh, makes sense. <laughs> Before we get going, because we're going to be talking a little French Open, we got the NBA Finals, which has been super exciting, the NHL Finals, but first of all, got to give a shout out to our guest that was on last week, Dustin Stone, listening in from Cincinnati, Ohio, so thank you for supporting us, Dustin. Also, my friend Brian Ronick and my nephew, so to speak, Jacob Ronick is back from Japan, serving in the military. So thank you so much for serving our country. We're so greatly appreciative of you and what you've done. And you have a bright future, my man, Jacob. You have a bright future. He's building jet engines. Wow. He's a rocket scientist at age 21. Oh, my gosh. And I'm not. I'm here at age 24, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're having fun, though. That's what it's all about. And then last but not least, the very special dear friends of mine, this wonderful couple, Mr. and Mrs. Robert Mayer. I know you're listening this morning, too, so thank you for tuning in to our show. Robert Mayer has written a book, Without Risk, There's No Reward, and that is so true. Just that alone. Just think about that. Without risk, there's no reward. That's true. That's 100% true. And let me tell you, we got to get into the NBA because without risk... Without LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers have no chance of winning the finals. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Without risk. (laughs) Without risking giving up Harrison Barnes part of their future. Without risking getting rid of all these big contracts. That's true. Risking the future. Get Kevin Durant and look look at this. So reward. So much of a reward. Well, I tell you what. I got a little rant here. I am so frustrated for LeBron James. I feel for him. The man is doing everything humanly possible to will his team to victory. And uh, they're just not playing as clean a basketball as I thought Cleveland would in the finals. It's some of the things they're doing on defense. I've noticed in the first couple of games, you know, the Warriors are a superior team. They're very smart. They play great team basketball. You can slow them down. There's definitely some vulnerability with the Warriors. However, they're like bamboo. They bend but don't break. You really got to take advantage of it. And I just noticed it's almost like they're playing a five-man zone, but yet they're allowing the Warriors really not set much screens and just and they're getting what they want. And there's a they're exploiting Cleveland's defense. And that's really kind of been the difference, you know, in the series, other than the players not making shots and maybe they're rushing shots and maybe a little too excited. Well, in terms of the defensive end, the, the Warriors switch more than any other team in the NBA just because they, they, they usually when they run out with the, the Hamptons five, the so-called Hamptons five, they have five smaller guys on the court. Right, they're very though, athletic. They got the length. Yeah, even though Kevin Durant is almost seven feet tall. Um, but we're just going to keep that to ourselves um, for this kind of point. But when they pull out this Hamptons five, they don't have a traditional big man on the court for them. Um, so you're basically, you're going to have to switch because there's going to be so many guys that are going to either get off the ball and then you're going to have to have some guy help. And then um, it just keep constant switches. So when you're facing the Warriors, 
you have to switch the ball because they have so many shooters and you can't just you know have one guy be in charge of one guy it's not going to work it's well, just they, flat out not going to work in game two they were switching quite a bit but I saw what happened is you get Kevin Love switching over and the George Hill's on Durant I'm sorry when Durant's backing down George Hill he's got seven inches of height advantage he's going to just turn around and just basically laying in well, 10 feet out the point is is the Cavs didn't switch this entire season but now in the first two games of the finals they switched more than they have in the regular season in the postseason but they're leaving holes in their defense oh yeah and that that's what i'm saying it's like it's and, so and, uh, hard to guard because you can't just you can't play normal man-to-man defense against them you have to have constant switches and despite all this you know even in game one they were 4.7 seconds from a possible upset victory i know and, and I, I know uh, you hear it on commercial radio. They're all just, you know, really laying in. If you want, now I'm, I'm not going to talk about anything about the officiating. You know, they make mistakes. They may blow calls. You know, that's that's on them. It's still the game. They still had an opportunity to win the game. It just blows my mind with 4.7 seconds left. J.R. Smith had three options when he got the offensive rebound. Pass it to LeBron James, call a timeout, or take a shot. He decided to do another option, dribble it out for OT. Yeah, that was kind of... You know, and I know he's you know, he's getting a lot of flack for that. Well, why are we letting other people off the hook? We just put... Everything on JR's, but it's all his fault. It's it's not all his fault. I'm just saying they were 4.7 seconds away. It's just what I'm saying is I feel the frustration of LeBron James that the supporting cast is either a critical mistake at the time they could have may have stole a game. Now let's say he put up the shot, missed, it goes into overtime. Or if you put up the shot, made it, then the Warriors get the ball with like two seconds left. They pop a three and they win the game at the end of regulation. So I'm not saying that win or lose. It's just one of those things you you really got to. He's been in league for how long? At least 12 seasons. He's got to know what the score is he's got to know okay 4.7 seconds left i mean like but that's putting the blame on one person again you can't no i'm not only blaming the loss i know but that was a critical mistake i'm just just simply pointing it out right but what if george hill makes his free throw what if ty Lu calls the timeout exactly we sit here and we we use him as the goat and say hit not i'm not talking about like greatest of all time goat i'm talking about about him being this the scapegoat like jr smith is the scapegoat for the situation obviously lebron had a historic night in game one historic okay but at the same time the people around him were doing a pretty decent job of performing up until the last minute of the basketball game he had the supporting cast helping him in game one kevin love was definitely helping him he has been helping him in game one and two it's where's that third guy who's the third guy that's going to step up and score some points for them so far it's not been ever i thought it maybe maybe it would be jr smith hasn't been jr smith no, maybe it'd be, it'd be kyle quarter kevin love he's he's been getting some you know key rebounds and it he points. knocked down some threes yes my, my point is is who's scoring the points for them because you, you you need to score points in basketball you have to have an offense in basketball, and you, if sometimes the best offense is a better defense. You true, know? true. You hit it right on, too, as far as team basketball. I think that Cleveland really needs to move the ball better. They do. And at the same time— and take easier shots. Have you seen the way that LeBron's been moving the ball? They're sketchy passes. That, you know, some of them it, are. It's high, like I said, it's high risk. Yeah, it's high risk, high reward, but it's also they're getting picked off. you got to understand the Warriors' defense, they have the length, and they got quick hands. Well, he, here's the Cavs' offense. All right, let's get a screen, switch Steph on the LeBron. Right, create the mismatch. I get that. I get that too. But then the next course of option is either he's going to take it to the hole or he's going to kick it out. The Warriors are trying to collapse him before he gets to the hoop, before he gets into like the where he can just do a little floater or if he can do an easy layup. So they're trying to converge on that. 
but they're ready to pounce when he passes the ball. You can't have just one person being the primary ball handler. I mean, it's worked in the past against lesser teams, but against the Golden State Warriors, it's a whole different animal. Like you're saying, they have so much length. You can't be doing that. You can't be kicking the ball across the court and expecting a miracle pass. I think LeBron James is the best pass in the league by far. No questions asked. But he, And he's also played a level that we haven't seen, we haven't in, seen in a while. But he has to do everything. And when you have that much usage... You're going to have the mistake. Right. And Turnovers just, are going to happen. I mean, in game two, he was on a, on this wave. If those guys just would have knocked down some of those open shots, he would have had at least 20 assists. I know. he had. I think he had 15 through three quarters, something like that. Yeah, something cool. crazy. But he definitely had more than 10 going out of halftime. Yeah, just think did. about that. He had a double-double going into the half. That's an incredible. But at the same time, usage equals energy lost. Because you, exactly. you have to be exerting energy. So th- that's another problem that LeBron is facing. He's had to do everything in the regular season. He played 82 games, and now he has to do everything in the postseason. And let's not forget, in Game 7 against the Boston Celtics, he played 48 minutes. He's playing heavy minutes. You can tell he's getting a little tired. You know, LeBron's going to be fine. There's another problem that LeBron's having. Steph Curry, in the first quarter, did you see what he was doing in Game 2? He made a little adjustment to his game. He was taking taking it to the basket. Did not take one three-pointer in the first quarter. He was shooting mid-range jumpers, short jumpers at the basket because that was the area of his game that was really, he wasn't taking very many shots, so he didn't really have a good shooting percentage inside the arc. He has a better shooting percentage outside the arc, so that was a key focus for him in game two is to take it to the rack, change up the strategy, start shooting those little mid-range jumpers. Like Sean Livingston, he lives off the mid-range jumpers. It's beautiful. Well, that's Sean Livingston's game. I mean, he's always played like that uh, for years years on end but to your point with Curry I want to know what the statistic is what his percentage from three-pointer when he makes a layup to begin the game when he makes layups to begin the game because if I was like a huge stats guy should get you going anytime you make a couple layups when you see yeah. the ball go through the net, psychologically, it helps you become a better shooter. When he shoots a corner three, to me, that's a layup <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for him. That's the closest spot from the three-point line is is from the corner. And if you've noticed that they've ran that play a few times where they'll have a pick set and then they'll just toss it to him behind. Or they'll, send, they'll run the play and then eventually someone sets the pick on his guy and then he gets the corner three. That's the set play. If you're Cleveland... You just have to look at what Steph Curry did, and you could have been like, oh, well. With Cleveland, you just want to slow the assault down, kind of like what the Rockets did a bit. you got to really talk and communicate on defense. Switching a little bit. The guards should be switching it just a tad bit more because they're able to keep up on the perimeter for the perimeter defense. But the last thing you want is George Hill in the low block guarding Kevin Durant when he's practically giving up a foot. <laughs> you know, when Kevin Durant, eight feet from the basket, he could practically lay it in from there. And, and he has been he's been getting a lot of flack from, like, the— it, it's tough. It's Major tough. news outlets for... But you look at his numbers. I mean, in game one, I didn't think he played that badly. No, they're not playing that bad, but it's just... That's the thing. It's just in the finals, the game of this magnitude, just the littlest things, you're, you're giving up an easy basket here, an easy basket there. That could be the difference in the game. But if you do the math, the three main scorers for the Warriors, you had 33 from Steph, you had 26 from Durant, and I think it was 20 from Clay. Mm-hmm. Right? That's Correct. 59 between two people, and then add another 20 to that so you're 79 points you're getting pretty much 80 points from three people just pack it in 
because they still have some more scorers on top of that. Well, the bright side for Cleveland, the series shifts to Cleveland, and usually, you know, a lot of the, the role players tend to shoot a lot better at home. So it could be, you know, it could be a, a nice different series. You know, I like to see Cleveland, you know, at least get Game Three to make this interesting. They could get, they could get one at yeah. home. They could possibly get two. At times, they play so well, but there's other times where Golden State just exploits their defense. I know we're going round and round on it, but. <laughs> Overall, you got to appreciate what the Warriors are doing. As a Laker fan, you know, if the Warriors do complete and win the third championship, yes, they're in our division. Yes, they're our rivals, but you got to appreciate what they're doing. You got to appreciate what this team that Golden State has. The Lakers, their championship is in the offseason because they could get some marquee players. But at the same time, there's so much talk about LeBron and his teammates and, and this and that. But at the end of the day, I mean, the, the Warriors can't come into it. We looked at in the very beginning of the season, we saw the Western conference being far superior to the eastern conference and we went out through this entire postseason to end up where we were last year and at the same time the eastern conference is just not that strong it's not that strong That's the fact true. that i agree like lebron's playing on a different level but he should have never gotten to the finals this year with this team he should have never been even close even he said that he didn't even think they were going to make the playoffs at one time I, lebron had said that i agree with you you know i think about it if lebron was in the west this whole time time obviously he would not go as many finals but i think he have one more championship i think he would have won more championships than he has now but i don't think he would have been as many finals See, wherever you know he goes it's always like if you win the west you're pretty much going to win the championship it's not guaranteed no not when he was with the heat that was that was when there was the most right i mean that you had the heat were the most dominant team in the right. eastern and Conference. also you had wade in the prime of his career chris bosh i mean you had the you know the big three that I mean, was that was huge you're staring at probably like I'd say LeBron's in the top two players of all time. I'd say Dwayne Wade is easily top 20 players of all time. And then I'd say Chris Bosh is somewhere in the right. in the 150 to 75 range of players of all time. So you're staring at three amazing players. And for that and then you have Ray Allen too. I I didn't forget oh, about yeah. Ray Allen yeah. won them a championship, okay? His shot won them the championship. So I think LeBron technically has his his first everybody needs help. Even Jordan had help. He had Pippen and Robin. We could we could go on and on about that. I know our, our time is just flying cuz you talk about basketball is such a hot topic, but I know it's hot. Like I said, hopefully Cleveland gets game three. I know you don't want it. You want to see a sweep because no, that's a Warriors fan. I, but we want to see a great series. It's, I do want to the NBA. I do want to yeah. see a good game. I, yeah. like, regardless, I'm going to think the Warriors hey. are going to win. And if they they lose, I'm, I mean, like. True. But at the same <laughs> time, like, I'm an NBA fan more than anything else. Like, even when the Warriors were really bad, I was rooting for good games from both teams. So I just want to see something interesting. And I, I, I mean, like, it's fun talking about the controversies and everything. But we need to get back to playing basketball. Well, speaking of a warrior, Serena Williams made it to the quarterfinals, and we thought we are going to see the vintage matchup of Serena versus Maria Sharapova, but unfortunately, Serena had suffered an injury in her previous match, and I guess it was still bothering her. She had to pull out that match, but she does hold a 17-2 advantage over uh, Maria Sharapova head-to-head. Well, so that puts Sharapova actually in the semis, and you got Madison Keys is also in the semis. Sloan Stevens is in the semis. Actually, correction. Maria Sharapova has to play uh, Margaruza. I think we circled past the more interesting point there. Serena Williams just had a baby and is competing at a high level. And made it to the quarterfinals. And made it to the quarterfinals. Which, that's a pretty nice payday, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless tennis. if she plays or not, that is an impressive, that's just an impressive feat. Like She is a warrior. 
And she went to the royal wedding, too. She's been active, okay? She solidified herself as the greatest. Oh, oh I absolutely. Mean, like, she gets nothing but love from Sports Matters. Yeah. <laughs> I love Serena Williams. Moving on. Uh, Djokovic is obviously warming up. He dropped his first set, but he's uh, won the second set. Sloane Stevens is up large, so it looks like she's going to be in the semis. I think that didn't the Joker almost lose to Djokovic? No. He didn't Djokovic. almost lose? He No. no. Uh, the thing is, the nice thing about the Grand Slams, it's a best of five. So a lot of these guys will, these top thought, players will lose like the first set. I thought very early on, he almost lost like in the early matches and then he broke no, he his, had, he, had a, he, he slammed had, his racket on yeah, the ground. And, he had a couple challenging opponents. I, th- I think it was against Marderer. Okay. He ended up taking him out. Yeah. Marderer's tough. He still won, yeah. but, but I mean like. He still won. <laughs> that, I've never seen Djokovic like have that much. Like he obviously he's a very emotional guy, but I've never seen him have that much anger. But think about this, okay? He's he's playing Chechinado, Chechinado, if I'm saying that right. Second set just completed. They've been playing for an hour and twenty six minutes. So if this thing goes five sets, imagine it. I mean, out there for four hours playing tennis, just whacking a ball, your arm will go dead. That's crazy. That's what's so crazy about tennis and clay. You work. You work for your points. But it doesn't matter what you do. Once you get in the later rounds, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to face the king of clay. And let me tell you, he has the endurance. He has the power. (laughs) And it's just going to be tough. You think about it, Matt. Rafael Nadal just turned 32, and he's on the verge of winning his 11th French Open. Wow. Isn't that insane? I mean, he's the king of clay. End of story. End of story. <laughs> and moving on to, to NHL. NHL playoffs. You know, the fairy tale, the Las Vegas Golden Knights finally met their match in the playoffs. And now, I know they got tested it with San Jose. not over. It's, no, it definitely is not over. It is not over. You're so right about that. Uh, However, they did win the first game at 6-4, to four, and they were really lighting up Washington. But now Washington kind of settled in and got the game straight. they needed on the road. One, yeah, won three straight and took care of their home ice. Well, I'll tell you that the Capitals right now, they, they have their best players playing at top form. I think Kuznetsov? Probably saying his name wrong, but the ninety-two, he he had deal with a hand it's tough injury. Getting all these names right, I know it's too tough to me. And game Ovechkin. two, Ovechkin, I can get that one yeah. right, but he deals with a hand injury, and I, I'm thinking there's no way he's gonna play after he comes off the ice in game three. What do you know? He plays a game three, and he nets two goals. Are you kidding? Like, uh, he, uh, that's what's so great about sports. It's just these unbelievable stories. I just, For him to come off and just do that and, and score two goals. But, uh, How hard is it score goals at this late stage in the finals and against Fury, who was just pretty dominant this whole entire playoffs? They've seen a lot oh, my. of Fury, Mark on. They've seen a lot of him over the years. And the, the, the thing is, at the very beginning of this series, I thought the Capitals have to have their best players play their best hockey. Yes. And they did exactly that in these last three they games. They listened to Matt's crystal ball. I, I, I don't remember who I picked <laughs> in the show to before. I, I think you took Las Vegas all the way, and why not? I it, just did a fun yeah, story. I mean, it's still a great story, just the fact they made it to the finals. I will always pick strength in numbers, just because you have more bodies, and the, someone goes down, someone doesn't perform. But at the same time, this is not over for the Golden Knights. They're going back home. Exactly. Which they need. 
Go back home, take care of business at home. All they got to do is get one in Washington, so you can get that in Game 6, and then anything can happen in Game 7. And we've seen it. You've seen it even in NBA a couple years ago. 3-1 deficits where the Thunder was up on the Warriors three games to one, and then the Warriors came back and took that series, and again in the finals. Starts with one game. Exactly. So you just got to focus on that game. So I, I just don't see it being over yet. It's not over. But if Ovechkin and TJ Yoshi and Nicholas Backstrom and Kuznetsov and John Carlson and Braden Holtby, if they all perform, that's five. I named five people in the Capitals. You know what's so funny is uh, the ice conditions, it's similar to the clay in Las Vegas because, you know, it's probably 110 degrees right now in Las Vegas. They're going to be skating on that slush, so it'll probably slow Washington down a bit. And that goes to Las Vegas' favor. So you're right. This series is far from over. You still got to play three more periods of hockey, and if Washington wants to win is saying they gotta take it in Las Vegas but Las Vegas has a, a great opportunity of getting game five yeah and just flip the script yeah I mean, then they start building the momentum go into Washington and try to steal that game six last night they had a couple possessions <laughs> where they hit the post and in one possession they hit the post twice I mean this thing's far from being over it, it's and, game and they, of, of centimeters millimeters, millimeters. Even, for that matter and at the same time they made it interesting after being down four to zero they came back and they got two goals and then the the Capitals kind of did what they had to do because you're, you're basically doing an all-out offensive attack, trying to get some goals back. They got to a two-goal game going into the third, in the third period, and then they started, they gave up one, and then they gave up an empty net at the end of the game. So even though the score indicated 6-2, to two, there were some things that I really liked about what the Golden Knights were doing. Right. They're playing well. It's like you said, they just really close on some of those shots, and that's just kind of the game of hockey. But Washington has been knocking on the door for these last three, four years, and you're right. They've been at the demise of a flurry or fury, however you say his name. And this is their time to shine. And if they want to get this Stanley Cup, I think Washington needs to end it in Game Five because the last thing they want is uh, Vegas gets that win in Game Five. They start to get the momentum, and, and things can change very rapidly. Yep. It's a matter of millimeters. Mm-hmm. It's a game of inches. Everything's a game of inches. But we're gonna close with a really nice song, "The Downtown Lights" by. Kathy Cozens because in honor of the Golden State Warriors who shoot the lights out from downtown, the Splash Brothers, that's just a thing of beauty, seeing what they do from downtown. I know. And I will say something. I want to give a quick shout out. All of our UCI grads, congratulations. A little round of applause. Yes, a round of applause. Great job for working hard. Zot, zot, anteaters. Zot, zot, anteaters. Now go do your resumes. And then coming up next, you got Austin with Humanities for Humanity. I think this might be her last show or second to her last show. Give a great listen to that because you know she's got a nice show lined up for you. And until then, I don't have anything further. Matt, take it away. Love you, grandmas. Can't you? see the downtown line